Hunger, welcome back. Hello, Jen Brister. Welcome back to yourself. Isn't it? I am. I'm very glad to be with myself. <laughs> I spend a lot of time with me, and I've decided I like it. I know that is, oh, that's one of the things about comedians that you do spend a lot of time by yourself. It's quite an antisocial job, don't you think? Well, we all spend a lot of time with ourselves. I mean, we literally are all with ourselves all of the time. Irrespective of our jobs, Maureen. It's getting very philosophical at this early to, stage. I don't want to get too deep too deep at the beginning. <laughs> just to let new listeners know this is this is the kind of thing you should expect. Very cerebral, very hard hitting, very thoughtful podcast. Well researched. Well researched. It's not just two women nattering away. Sitting in a living room with a laptop open talking into the abyss. Definitely not. Definitely not. Anyway, I'm Maureen Younger. I'm Jen Brister. This is our podcast. And we're back. And we're back. And we're delighted to be back. It's been ages, mainly because I've been really, really busy. Jen's got a career. She's slightly inconsiderate of her. But... I have very oddly developed something resembling a career, uh, which I'm delighted about. It's taken a very, very long time. Jen has even been on the telly. I've been on the television. You may have seen me on watched the things telly. like the 10 o'clock news. Um, <laughs> News, news night, uh, <laughs> politics today. Question time. Question time. No, I was on Frankie Boyle's New World Order, which was a lot of fun. Episode three, tune in. It's on iPlayer, if that's your bag. Uh, don't worry if it isn't. Um, You've done the news quiz, which is the radio, but it's still news quiz. Yes, I shall be on that again at the end of May. Love the news again quiz. Again with Frankie Boyle. He can't get enough of me. <laughs> Perhaps it's a he, rider. He Perhaps can't it's escape me. Perhaps it's a rider. He stipulates. Yeah, he, he says, I want a Diet Coke and Jen Brister. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. Yeah, no, no, actually in that order. Yeah, always in that order. So uh, that's... And also, I've written a book, Maureen. You've written a book? As oh. have you. Yes, my book's published. Look, it's very exciting that Maureen and I are now... Authors. Authors. So to be fair, mine's self-published. Yours is actually somebody's going to the trouble of publishing it. I know. It's unbelievable that they're doing that. I'm quite surprised. It's about, it's, Jen, it's about being the other mother, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, well, it's called the other mother and it is, yeah, it is about that. <laughs> it's called the other mother and it's about a rhinoceros that lives <laughs> in a zoo. No, it's, it's not a novel. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> that is well done. The rhinoceros. Thank you, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I remember that from my <laughs> drama days. Um... It is a uh, non-fiction prose, obviously prose, it's not poetry, uh, sort of sent like a memoir kind of narrative thing. Is it, a man- is it like a guide, a manual? No, 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 it's not, it's not. It's like a, it's like a memoir, it's like a narrative, they call it narrative prose or something, so oh, it's, okay. it's, 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 it's non-fiction narrative. So it's like a story, but it's my story rather than somebody else's story, which would require imagination and some kind of, uh, I don't know, talent. No, this is just me recounting stupid, uh, ridiculous incidents in my life with, with, with or without my children, actually. So if that's your bag, please do buy it. It comes out you on the 5th of September. You can pre-book now. You can pre-order. Pre-order, that's it. You can pre-order at all good bookstores. I don't know if you can, actually. <laughs> But let's just say you, you can. You can on the internet. You, might be able you to can on, on Amazon, but I'm trying to encourage people not to buy it on Amazon. I'm trying to encourage mm-hmm. them to go and buy it at their local bookshop. Oh, okay. And or Waterstones. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I, my so, book you can only get through Amazon. It's called The Void. Which, you know, is basically... It, it's not me discussing my love life. It is... Yet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's a couple of short stories, two or three short stories in it. And it's three short stories. Three short stories in it. Um, yeah, one about unrequited love. Mm, say no more. Uh, based in Vienna. Say no more. Uh, second one's about. 
what a joy is it being a middle-aged woman. Oh, what joy. Say no more. Say no more. And the third one's like, the void you feel, Jane, when you're performing. Oh, there is a void when you're performing. Is there? It's Not when you're performing, no, after. But usually after. after. Or before. <laughs> I find it before. Just before you go on stage, there is this feeling of doom. <laughs> Just a sense of some, impending doom. Some gigs more than others. <laughs> some, I don't get it so much now, but certainly... Before I was really making any decent money and I'd have to travel miles and miles yes. and miles to go and do gigs where I'd get, like, virtually no money in front of an audience that... I'd just stare at you. ..that didn't really like me. And I wasn't really that good, so it was always a bit hit and miss as to whether the gig would go well. Um, uh, that the, 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 the sense of impending doom <laughs> and gloom that I would get on the way to a gig... I'd make, at times, I thought, this is what it must feel like to have it, you know real depression <laughs> but you always, I feel like I could literally just you know throw myself off a cliff here. but weirdly there's some gigs which you really not look forward to which you think are going to be dreadful and they turn out fine and then there's gigs that you really look forward to and then you they just don't work for some reason gigs that you really look yeah, forward to yeah or you know you think this is going to be hang on what are you talking about no, but there are some gigs where gigs, you kind of go this should be fun gigs that you look forward to <laughs> I'm a very sad life. <laughs> no, I mean I know what you mean. There are some. There are well, some. You shows. Go, this should be. This should be fun. It's more that there's an expectation that, that it's going to be, be good. Yeah, it should be good. Well, it's going to do well. And then it. sometimes you just like, what the hell? And you just can't figure out what's going wrong. I mean, I've turned up. At, I've turned up at venues where everyone's having the best time. The audience having a great time. The comedians are having a great time. And I'm like, they are going to love me. <laughs> they wait. They like that guy. Wait till they see me. Oh yeah, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. It's really annoying when there's a comic who is shit and he does really well and you go on. You go on and they're like, no, we like that guy. <laughs> we hate you. We think you're shit. Conversely, there's nothing worse when you've died in your ass and you think, well, that's the audience. And then the next guy goes on and does really, really well. Did you ever see there was a short film, it was only for comics really understood, where all the comics were explaining why they died. They made up all these excuses. Oh, yeah, like comics are really self-aware and know why they died. <laughs> I mean, more often than not, I see comics die and they go, whoa, I stormed it. <laughs> You're like, you just, just warmed them up for you. Just warmed them up for you. You're like, mate, mate, you just had to drag your corpse off stage. What are you going on about? You were so clapped off. Yeah, they loved it. I mean, <laughs> a bit, a bit tricky at the top there, but I think at the end they really got into it. <laughs> what? They hated you. No, and you just kind of, uh... yeah, but sure. I mean, I'm sure there's some self awareness there somewhere. I mean, to be fair, all comics are slightly deluded. It's just that some are more deluded than others, aren't they? I think. Well, I mean. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> anyway, let's not make this about comedy because most people don't care more. No, that is true. That's it, is true. A, it is a job of... of I, I mean, there are some people you meet along the way and they're very odd because they they love it, don't they? They love yeah, it. Yeah, and they, they watch, love comedy. It and watch it when they get They love stand-up comedy. They love everything about comedy. They come to all the they gigs. They talk to you all about comedy. They tell you about comedy. And they know stuff about <laughs> comedy you don't know. And the history of it, the very, the very sort of... The, the, all the old comedians of... You know. uh, and then that's, that's another thing that comedians do. They tell other comedians jokes. And you know the jokes. Don't they? Oh, sometimes I've got that great joke. And you think, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard that joke about that? Why are you telling me someone else's joke? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great joke. Anyway. Anyway, Joan's going off. You're going on holiday soon, aren't you? Listen, I'm away for three weeks and I couldn't be happier about the whole thing. I mean, in one way, it's an error because I've got a show to write. <laughs> and in, the other, in another way, it's like, well, let's... 
It'll be a, it'll be a tighter deadline, but God knows I love a deadline. But you know, you might come back with some more new, new material. I'll come back feeling like a human being, and then I might actually be able to get some work done because at the moment I am on my knees. I am oh. completely shattered. Jen's been really, really busy. The children and working like six, seven nights a week and writing. I'm just done in. Oh, poor me. But anyway, poor me. Seriously, I'm knackered. But the problem is that I think a lot of people do that, not just comics, is that you tend to work every day. You never have a day off. You never. I never have a day off. And I never have a time where I go, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll do nothing. What? But yeah, but when you do have got a chance to do nothing, you feel really guilty about it. Jen phones me up from a hotel going, oh, I feel really, I don't know, I'm just not doing anything today. I haven't written anything. I'm just like lounging oh. in, the, in the hotel room. I'm like, Good. I know. Sometimes I'm like, should I be, shouldn't I be doing something, writing something, contacting someone, doing press ups? I never think about <laughs> doing press ups. I mean, that's a lie. That's never ever happened to me. You know, when you see people go, oh god, I woke up this morning and I really wanted to go for a run. I'm like, I did not know what you're talking about. I have literally never woken up and thought, I know what I want to do, run somewhere. I wake up, it never happened. That's what I want. Yeah. That's the first thing I think, oh, I'd love a coffee. And a bit of a read. I'd love a a coffee. Yeah, sit down with a paper or a book that you're reading, maybe listen to Radio 4, like a little bit of that. We are middle-aged. Some toast, a round of toast. And if I'm feeling extravagant, I'll have a boiled egg. (laughs) Do you know what? I just live in the the Vida Loca. Yeah, I've never felt... You know what? I once went to the gym with a couple of friends. I arrived late, so I missed the class. So I had lunch. And then afterwards, they went swimming and I sat by the pool and fell asleep. Sounds great. Perfect, perfect visit to the gym. <laughs> so I didn't do any exercise, but I did have a nice lunch. You had a lovely lunch, didn't you? <laughs> Carried on reading that piece of Austro-German literature or whatever it was. Weirdly, I'm reading an Austrian uh, author it's right not, now. It's not weird, though, is it, Maureen? <laughs> I mean, it's just actually not weird. It is exactly what you do. I've never heard of the guy. Really good book, The Capital. I the recommend capital. it. Yeah. It's all set in, in Brussels, you, European Union. So. Are you reading it in English or German? German. You're reading it in German. Obviously. Great. It was okay. a present. It was a birthday present from two years ago, which I've just got around to reading. Oh, God, that's Here weird we for you. I know. It's all, I've got, well, you know me, I've got a lot of to-read lists. I've got a massive pile out there. And then yesterday I bought some DVDs. I'm chucking things away. I'm chucking out one thing a day, not that you'd notice. Maureen's chucking out one thing a day and buying eight <laughs> things. So it's kind of, she's not really... Yeah, I said to Maureen, have you thought about decluttering a bit? I thought I'm chuck like, I am, I'm chucking one thing out a day. But you're constantly buying like six um, or seven books a day. I know, I buy so many books. And then I bought, just bought five DVDs yesterday. Five DVDs, because that's what everyone's buying DVDs, Four DVDs. these days. I know, I'm the only one who buys DVDs still. I mean, I don't know anyone who buys DVDs. <laughs> what are you buying DVDs of? Oh, one of my one of my favourite musicals of all time on yeah. the town. Going on the town. Oh, that's a classic. It is a classic, and I had to buy it as a box set because you can't get it individually. Right. Uh, you have to buy a box set of the what? Yeah, of Gene Kelly movies. Oh, right. Uh, Wonder Woman. I thought that was shit. Did you? I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I don't know what you were banging on about. Really, I'm gonna, I can't remember the others. And I like a woman in a Amazonian outfit. She's very attractive. God. Yes, I mean, she's absolutely stunning, but the story was just appalling. Oh, I really liked it. Did I, you? But I didn't, want to go, I didn't want to go and see it. I didn't even finish it. I didn't, I, I didn't even finish it. Did you not? No. I just need to see it on the screen. That bodes well. A Star is Born, but the, but the one with Judy Garland and James Mason. Oh, James Mason gives oh. me the jeebies. Oh, I love his voice. I love a James Mason voice. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Fantastic. Gene Kelly. That's because it was on the town. We're literally going through more in CDs at the moment. Uh, DVDs. Their finest. DVDs. With Bonnie. 
a really good movie. Bill Nye, right, and Ken Jim Arterton. And Wonder right. Woman, that's it. I mean, Wonder I'm Woman, that, I mean, of all the movies, Maureen, you're buying a, 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 a DC <laughs> comic. I know, it's weird, because I never I never wanted to go. It was the two guys that live across the road from me, then they actually paid for me. They went, do you want to go? And I went, no, and they went, we'll pay for you. And I went, OK, then. Yeah. Hey, why do something? Yeah, pay Maureen, she'll yeah, go. I'll go, yeah, all right, then. And I really loved it. Well, there's no county for taste, Maureen. That's for sure. Okay, what's your favourite movie then, Brister? Uh, well, well, apart from the one that I'm in where I'm eating cake. Well, the one, oh yeah, that one. I love that. Uh, I actually do like a German film. Uh, oh, The Lives, Lives of others. others. I know, you think that that's not that great. No, I think it's a brilliant film. Oh, do you? I love that. Also, I love Sebastian Koch. Mm, sorry. Yeah, she loves a bit of Sebastian Koch. <laughs> hey, come on! <laughs> Didn't see that joke coming, did we? <laughs> I like lots of films, Maureen. Uh, I just can't think of any at the moment. I can't think of any at the moment. <laughs> but I do. I, I, I used to. I used to live. Uh, I tell you, a film I used to like. Uh, I used to like. Um, God, I'm yawning. Please stop doing that. You bored yourself now. Uh, Mike Lee's Life Is Sweet. Oh, okay. I've done I mean, literally that. nothing happens in that film. But I, I don't know why. But I really, really enjoyed that. I loved that. And I like. I don't know. I really enjoyed Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And I don't even like Jim Carrey. I haven't seen that either. It's really good. I tell you what I'm watching now. Have you, are you watching Line of Duty at the moment? Yeah. Oh, my God. Let's not talk about it. Spoilers. But the end of last oh. week's episode was not expecting that. I was not, not But That's not the thing. I'd love to be a, a good writer, as good a writer as Jed McCurio because it's just... You, whatever you think is going to happen never happens. Do you know what I'm watching as well? In tandem, I'm on iPlayer, Bodies. He wrote Bodies as well. I don't know what Bodies is. Bodies is, is it's, it's about 15 years old. Medical drama, is it? Yeah, and it's set in a in a, a, a an obstetrics obstetric it's about it's about basically a junior doctor working under an obstetrician who is terrible at his job and people are dying or or people are he's 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 causing He's really good at research, or he's really good at something else, but he's not good. And they're hiding it, are they? They're hiding the face. Well, the hospital can't doesn't want to admit that they've hired the wrong guy and, and that they've kept him for this long, so they have to just hang on to him mm. until he goes. And uh, uh, an anaesthetist blows the whistle and loses her job. And then this junior doctor, it's about him and whether or not he's going to do something about it because he knows that this guy is dangerous. Wow, a dangerous yeah. surgeon. He's such a good writer, isn't he? He's just it's really good. But yeah, I mean, uh, line, uh, line, line of duty is just, you are sitting there going, sometimes you just kind of want to get a scene to get over and done with because it's so tense. Yeah. Aren't you? And you're like, oh, just, it is kind of sitting on the edge television. Stephen Arnott. Oh, I like him. He's Scottish. Yeah, did you not know? No, I didn't he know. Does a really good South, he does a really good South London accent. Do you know, I once had somebody go to me, oh, James McAvoy does a good Scottish accent. I went, he's Scottish. I went, no, no, he's English. I went, no, he's no, in Drum Chapel. I went to drama school with him. He's Scottish. Scottish. Yeah, but yeah, you wouldn't know that he's Scottish. Oh, he's got accent. an absolutely brilliant English accent. Anyway, well done him. Yeah, because he's a Mary Queen of Scots playing um, yes, Southwell. I, yeah, I know. I just saw that. I didn't see the film, but I just saw that he was doing that. Um, anyway, that's by the by. Almost every Scottish accent is a Mary Queen of Scots. What's her name? I, get, I keep, getting, get, keep getting told that I look like her. Oh, McClure. Is it, um, Vicky McClure. McClure. I don't think I look anything like no, her. I mean, don't. we've both got short, short brown hair. Short hair and brunette. I think that's where the, the similarity <laughs> begins and ends. I saw someone with short hair. You look just like her. What, him? Oh, yeah, sorry, it's a bloke. All oh, right, thanks. You're just looking at people with short hair and then going, I look like them. 
Yeah, kind of. I mean, do you know what? I take it as a compliment because I think she's very attractive. But also, it makes a change from when I was growing up where it was always like, oh, you really remind me of that bloke on that show. And I'm like, oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> could at least, could Who the person at least be a I don't know. I never watched um, Twin Peaks, but there was some bloke on that. Oh, Car- I think it's Carl McLachlan or whatever. No, it's not no. him. There was a bloke who died in it quite early um, on. I never watched it. it. I never watched it either. But you like, like I look like some bloke. Everyone at school is like, you really look like that bloke on Twin, in Twin Peaks. Well, when I was a, a lot younger, I think in my twenties, uh, somebody said you look like Juliette Binoche, which I took as a great compliment. Well, you I should. I don't think it was true, but I was like, oh, thank you, you very much. You have got those cheekbones. I have got cheekbones. I've got great cheekbones. But yeah, so that was it. But uh, yeah, now no, not so much. I'm not re- no, no. I mean, neither of us are. Uh, you we know. don't even recognise for ourselves. Yeah. Apart from that last day in Edinburgh, do you remember when I was in Edinburgh? I think we've talked about that on here before. We've talked about that on here before. I mean, you know, Maureen is going to Edinburgh this year, so let's see if her celebrity continues. (laughs) As I play to two people. (laughs) No, you won't. You won't play to two people. You will not. You will have good audiences. I will will ensure it. She'll frog march people there. Uh, Yes, so Maureen is going to the Edinburgh Festival. I would say pre-book your ticket, but... (laughs) You can't, it's free fringe. Uh, but you can pre book your ticket to my show. Which is called? Underprivileged. And yours is called? Out of Sync. And what is the best thing about both of our shows is that neither of us have written them yet. <laughs> I mean, we're not alone in that, are we? I mean, I'd say Oh, most the stress of it now is just overwhelming. And uh, what you've got to realise is why the titles are usually so vague for Edinburgh shows is that comics write something, have a title that's kind of vague so they can, they can kind of. <laughs> crowbar material I mean and go that's what it's about literally don't know what I'm doing <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to write this show I've got, got I feel like I've got nothing left in my in the tank that's funny that's why I'm going on this holiday morning so I can come back and be funny or you could just learn to play the guitar and do a few songs I think the amount of time it would take me to learn <laughs> to play the guitar having zero musical skills <laughs> So, yeah, so that's the problem, because you've got to come up with a name of a show before you generally have written the show. I know. Which is, uh, and then you just say you do. I mean, you have, you've had some good ones. Like, Meaningless was a great one, because that could be almost anything, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I had the title before I started writing the show, and it worked out that actually the show almost could have gone with the title, which was unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable, really. Um, no, my, my titles have usually gone all right, yeah sort of work towards them this one I have to work towards I mean it's about privilege so I better write I can't just at the end of the show go and that's why I was underprivileged because <laughs> people will be like well you literally haven't mentioned privilege until the last <laughs> line of your show thank you very much <laughs> two stars well I told privilege I went to see um, Amelia the play which I'm trying to get Jen to go and see which is fantastic it's about um, a contemporary of Shakespeare a woman who they think might have been the dark lady of his sonnets and the difficulty of being a female performer and writer and getting validation and the privilege that comes with being a bloke. But it is also incredibly, incredibly funny. I don't think you realise that actually it's really hard to be a white, straight, able-bodied, cisgendered uh, man. man, middle-class man at the moment. It's never been oh. harder. Do you know what? It's so They're funny. under attack. You know what? It's so funny because I remember the first kind of incredibly middle-class white comic who went, oh, it's really difficult being a middle-class white man. And I laughed because I thought he was joking and then I realised he was actually being serious. I, literally, that's all I hear. <laughs> I mean, it's great that you're getting telework, Jen. I mean, you deserve it, but, but I mean, no. it does help that you're gay and a woman, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, if you were a bloke, you wouldn't get that. You wouldn't get any telly. Yeah, because what I'm finding 
when I switch on my television. It's, I, it's just full of, beige of it's full of beige lesbians filling up the telly screen. Oh, we can't get enough of that. All these brown disabled lesbians on the television. You can't move for brown disabled lesbians. All these. It's, it's, it's box ticking, isn't it? Uh, there was one guy, he won't listen to this, it's fine, who was a terrible open spot. Literally, not, there's not a single comedian there, apart oh, from no. Rosie Jones. Rosie Jones, hi Rosie, you have to join us someday. Rosie Jones, we've got to get Rosie Jones on the podcast. Yeah, she, yeah. come on Rosie, come and join us. Oh, we love Rosie Jones. Um, yeah, who just, who was the other day was going, you know, I, and he was a terrible open spot and he was like, you know, I haven't got a career and it's because of diversity, you know, despite my got talent. A because of my... <laughs> Despite all, my, despite all my talent, but at this point I was reading, looking at my phone, so I thought because I couldn't keep a straight face. Despite all my talent, you know, I just couldn't have a career. But you know, if you know, sacrificing my career means more diversity. It's a price worth paying. I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> we were talking about this. Maureen said to me yesterday. I mean, honestly, if women were banned from comedy, like literally, were not allowed to do comedy, and there was no woman ever doing stand-up comedy ever again, he still wouldn't get booked. <laughs> and you went, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> We went further. We went, what if there was a Sharia law <laughs> introduced into this country? Only men were allowed to speak. He still wouldn't be allowed. I mean, it was just like, that is not the reason why you're not getting booked. You're crap, mate. You're not funny. The reason why... I've never known... I've never known a booking policy to be like, well, there's... I mean, there's too many white men on the bill. That's never happened. And you look at any comedy store lineup, that'll be the indicator. I mean, most lineups are predominantly white men with one person of colour or one woman. Yeah, you've heard one's one day act on the bill. Or one disabled person. And that is it. It is changing now, it is changing. But yeah, um, definitely. I tell you what, the only show on television that is predominantly women is Frankie Boyle's show. I was going to say midwives. It's midwives. <laughs> but comedy show is Frankie Boyle. He's is the only yeah, show where he'll have he will Please. only have women on the whole the whole show will be just exclusively female guests and no one will ever comment on it. Yeah, that's true. Actually. And no one, and, and literally it's not like anyone's gone, Oh, the trouble with Frankie Ball's show is there's too many fucking birds on it. No it's it's like if you're funny and you're good You're right. That very idea that you shouldn't have more than one woman on a on a on a television show because it will upset the majority of people. Firstly, if it does, good. It should. If it does upset you, well, then that's your problem. Get over it. And also, the more women there are on television, the less people will be able to go, oh, it's just trouble with women. Is it not funny? Oh, God, yeah, that's so annoying people say that. And the other thing is, and also the things a female comic, is that like, if you talk about yourself, which most comics do... Because... I've never talked about myself on stage. I'm very, very, very <laughs> outward thinking. Because the thing is, in order to be funny, you really need to know a lot about the subject. So if you talk about yourself, it saves on research, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, I don't it's like It's not like research. political stuff, you've got to look oh, at papers God, and stuff, read, read papers books. and Ugh. figure out things. Awful. So, um, but then if you're a woman and you talk about yourself, it's called, oh, it's talking about being a woman. Whereas if a bloke talks about himself, it's not him talking about a bloke. Because oh. talking about a bloke is considered normal. All, the, all, the, all women do is talk about their vaginas. Well, even if that's true, which what it, it isn't, so what? I mean, how many knob jokes have I had to sit through in my lifetime? Do wanking. me a favour. I know. Wanking jokes, on and on and on. People, men going on about their wangers. No one's ever said to a bloke, "You talk too much about being bloke, and you cut out the material about wanking." Yeah, don't getting do pissed, cheating on your girlfriend. Yeah, you, know, you talk about periods. It's well, never happened. I mean, I mean, there was one comedian that used to do a joke about how his girlfriend liked him to drink pineapple juice, so that when he oh, jizzed, yeah. it was like it's having so a pina colada, and nobody went, "Fella, listen, that's." Everyone went. Uh, 
Unbelievable. Anyway, let's not get upset about it, Maureen. We've got to let it go. We've got to let this stuff go. We're both very good at we're, doing. We're very easygoing, upbeat women, usually. So I don't know why we're using... This is our shop window, Maureen, for people to really get an idea of who we are as people. So let's continue the illusion that we are optimistic. Yeah, do you know what? I went on a mindfulness course, didn't I? I was fucking livid. It was a waste of money. Well, I don't know why you went on a fucking mindfulness course, Maureen. I mean, of all the people. Jen was like... Because then I had a massive row with somebody a couple of days later. She went, all that mindfulness coursework. You get your money back. On, uh, your Spanish course? Yeah. Well, then went on a Spanish course and nearly headbutted a bloke there. I was like, oh, well, that mindfulness course is really coming handy. <laughs> Maureen was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I'm just saying. You're going to a stand-up row with a bloke at your Spanish class. You called him a twat. No, I didn't call him a twat. I, I, I can't remember what I did, but yeah, I was um, just say I stood my ground, and that's what how we'll we'll define. That's it. why I love you more, and you do stand your ground, as you bloody well should. <laughs> Don't take any prisoners. I mean, literally. <laughs> Don't leave traces. Yeah. Don't leave a body behind. <laughs> well, just step over it. Really <laughs> as uh, Maureen and uh, anyway, that was a that was a callback to something that happened that's not on this podcast. <laughs> there we are. There we are. Good for us. That always works. That always works. Callback <laughs> to something that you said when this wasn't on record. <laughs> that's a conversation we had earlier, Maureen. So yeah, if you want to get the the, the, the basis of that callback, just look at our vlog number twelve on YouTube. That make perfect sense. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm waiting for those to go viral, Maureen. <laughs> I'm waiting for this to go viral. When are BBC Sounds going to ask us to put this on their podcast? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. That's the answer. It's so weird because, you know, we've got Beige Lesbian in. Yeah. You'd think that would be, you know... Well, I mean, apparently that's all it takes to get noticed. <laughs> uh, talking of which... Um, it's time to go? Yeah, it's time to go. Maureen, it's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure as always, Jen. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>